Welcome to Conversation Pace. This is Brian Rossetti. In episode 44, I spoke with athlete and coach Andy Cazzarelli. Andy was a two-time All-American at NC State and then went on to qualify for the Olympic trials and the marathon. The last several years, she's been working through health issues, getting back to where she feels strong and happy and running again. We discuss at length. Andy currently coaches athletes of all levels on VDOTO2. She's also set her sights on some big athletic goals this year, one twelve and a half, and a 2.37 marathon. We talk about some of the keys to her training at this time. Hope you enjoy our conversation. Andy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to, excited to have this chat today. Yeah, so it's been a while. We, we touched base, what was it, a few years ago when you started coaching on VDOT? Yeah. Yeah. It's been, um, yeah, it has been a couple of years now and, um, I've really, it's been really cool to kind of see, you know, how things have changed and progressed over the years, but I've always really loved just the interface and all that stuff for the coaching side. And you now my coach uses it, which has been really great. And I really enjoyed, um, you know, having all of my stuff on VDOT right now, which is pretty cool. So nice. Yeah. So you're just toggling back and forth between your calendar and then your athletes. Yep. Yep. That's great. Awesome. Well, that's yeah. good to hear. Yeah. Um, I think, I don't know where we were when we touched base. It's kind of a blur yeah. with the pandemic. Um, I think w- I can picture myself where I was when we last talked. So it had to have been in the pandemic because I yeah. wasn't in the city at the time. Yeah. So right. I think it was early pandemic and we're still doing it. It's crazy. Right. <laughs> it is weird. I feel like everything within the pandemic has just merged merged together. So time is just like this weird warp of like, everything feels like it was all in the same year. So yeah, Yeah. it's hard to tell. (laughs) How have you been holding up in terms of COVID family and, um, has everything been okay? Yeah. For the most part, it's been, it's been okay. Like I, I was already working in a, I was already working from home for the most part. And, and so was my boyfriend. He also was mostly working from home. He works in, um, he works in software development. So it was like an easy transition for him and he was actually happier. And I was already kind of, (laughs) yeah, it was just like, we were both like, Oh, okay, cool. And we have three dogs now. So, um, gave us a little bit more time to be around with them. And yeah, so that was, it was pretty seamless from that side. I think the biggest thing that for, for me was just kind of like that, you know, you're, you're used to running with friends or having like a group to go out with. And then so that was a little like at first that was a little scary because kind of like, what do you do and and how much? And so like I, I was doing appraisal work at the same time as coaching. And so the appraisal side of things, like I was still having to go into people's houses and you never know what you're mm. walking into. So that was kind of a little bit of like an adjustment. But um, and I was kind of trying to make sure that I wasn't, you know, putting myself at risk because I was going into other people's houses. So, you know, that was one thing that I was doing initially. But um, I think the biggest thing that I think shift wise was, you know, I started going full time into coaching and just kind of like the lifestyle of working from home completely. Cause even w- though I had been working from home, it was more of the, the shift of the, the time and the dynamic of it all. Because I just all of a sudden was just like, Oh, I'll just run it whenever I'll run at 10, I'll run at 11. And that kind of like, it just started compressing my schedule in a weird way. Just not having a little bit more of the, um, the structure, um, that I had when, when I was, when everybody was kind of working in a different way and people that I ran with still had to get up early and I was still getting up early to run with them. But then when all of that went away, 
it was like, I was just kind of operating on this weird way to lose schedule. So that was a little bit of an adjustment period and a little <laughs> stressful, <laughs> just not having enough structure. And I, I, I have found that I need structure, uh, even working from home. I like the flexibility. I think I work better not being like in an office or having like a weird set hours, but I mm. also think that I also need to like really have a good plan for my day on top of that. So, you know, it's taken, a, I feel like it's taken like this year until this year to get that right. And not really understood, but yeah, for the most part, things have been, they've been good. They've been pretty good. I've been in, enjoying the lifestyle. That's good. That's yeah. great. Yeah. I mean, for me in terms of work, it hasn't changed much. So that's, there was no transition. Um, but it's funny to see the people that are like, gotta get back in the office, you know, whether it's yeah. just not a good environment at home or they lost that, that mm -hmm. structure that maybe they didn't realize they were kind of dependent on. Right. <laughs> they're not yeah. like adjusting too well. And then there are those that are like, I'm never going to the office again. Like, yeah, I don't need it. I don't need that commute, you know? Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, some thrive, some don't, but, um, yeah. okay, cool. So then where, where are you now based out of, you're still in the Raleigh Durham area. Is that correct or no? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I'm still in Raleigh. I went to NC state. So we just kind of, I moved, um, I bought a house when I first graduated and then kind of stayed here. And, um, it's been nice. I've been, it's, I really like this area. We have you know, decent weather for most of the year. We've got, we've got our cold seasons, but it doesn't get so, we don't bogged down with snow. Um, you know, but it gets hot in the summer, but I, I like to think of that as my poor man's altitude. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if it snows there, like, are you guys far, far enough South where if it does snow, is it like, is it chaos? Like everything just shuts down or no? Yes, like, it is. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like if there's like an inch or it's icy, it's like just we're screwed because we don't, we can't clean the roads or you guys have enough of that where it's yeah. not that big a deal. It's, I, I mean, you know, I like to think that it's gotten better, but I, you know, it, it, a lot of times though, the problem here is that when it snows, it's, it always never really starts as snow. So we'll get this layer of ice and or mm. rain and it kills anything they've already done. And then they get snow on top of, we get snow on top of that. So it ends up being kind of more icy, more slick. And that, that's what ends up making it a little bit more dangerous. Um, what was it? We had a few years ago where, um, the, it, it barely snowed. It really, it just, there was like a dusting of it across the road, but it stuck really quickly. And we, it was funny because I think this is like a year after I graduated. Um, like it looked like an apocalypse. There was like abandoned cars everywhere, <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> and there was a car that caught on fire somewhere no. that there was like all these images of that that was like the the funniest part of it was just like random stuff like that was happening so yeah we get some chaotic moments when when it does snow and especially when it sticks quickly um that day i think it was like people were sitting in traffic for hours if they didn't leave early enough they were just parked um people were that's why they were abandoning their cars they would just get out and start walking home you know a couple of miles in the snow so um, wow yeah, we yeah. Get, get a decent amount of that nonsense, but um, it's fun. It's kind of fun having that occasional snow day and, and everyone kind of panicking a little bit. And then you kind of can just like, you know, go out and walk in it and kind of just have a little bit more, just some, just some like chill time because it's going to be a minute yeah. before you can do anything. <laughs> uh, yeah. And where do you run? Where do you primarily train? Like, is it a good area to train and, and run? What's the, 
running community like too? I'm just curious. Yeah. So we have actually like a really good, really well-connected greenway system um, throughout the city. So that's, that's really nice. Actually, I just did a workout on the greenway this morning. I drove like 15 minutes from the downtown area to go to run on the greenway. And it's great over there. Uh, we also have Umstead Park, which is a really nice, uh, it's like a big park, tons of miles that you can run within it. Uh, and it's, they've got the single track trails, but they've also got the, the wide, like, you know, packed, uh, gravel kind of road for like horse trail, stuff like that. So a lot of people will go do that. It's hillier. So you can get some, some different elevation if you, if you do go there. And then we've also got the tobacco trail, which is an old railroad bed, railroad bed, and it goes 22 miles, something like that from, you know, yes. Oh, and it's fairly flat. I mean, there's some, it's, there's some long gradual hills, but that's kind of like our, one of our, like, I want to run flat places. So, um, so yeah, we've got a good mix and then, you know, training, if I, I mostly will run my easy runs just around from my house and, so we get a good mix of of hills around here, which I think is beneficial to training. And and so all of that seems like that's kind of a good environment. I'll do some track workouts here or there, you know, over at the, the school at NC State sometimes. And um, yeah, it's just kind of a, it, there's also a great community there. We have uh, the local running store here is Renology and they do some group runs and all kinds of fun stuff like that. I put on some races. And then we've also got the Sir Walter Myler, which is here. Yeah in Raleigh, which is a really, really cool event. Yeah. I always tell people if they ever get a chance to come, it's worth it to kind of come hang out and, and, and just feel the experience. It's, it's like such a fun event. They do such a good job with it. Um, they take care of the athletes really well, but then the community gets super involved and they let everybody in on the track and inside lanes. So you can kind of really be up close and personal to these, you know, very elite athletes going after something that's like super like a big accomplishment, you know, four minutes or four thirty in the mile for the women. Um, so it's a really cool race. And I, that I think has also kind of invigorated our running community really has gotten more people interested in it. Um, I think it's also given people, you know, a little bit more insight into some of what these elite athletes they do. It, they also can kind of, they create fans of the sport in that way because you have people who maybe are just like love running uh, getting introduced to people that they wouldn't have otherwise. And now they're all excited to watch them run those races that, you know, they met this one person and now they can see them, you know, running at, you know, the Olympic trials or something like that. So it's a really cool thing that they've done. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a fun, fun thing. And they've also, they've started putting on some races as well. So, and, and then otherwise we, um, the, so we've got the triangle, so we've got, you know, Raleigh, Durham and Chapel Hill, so there's also a large running community out towards Dur- Durham, the Bull City Running Club. And then um, we kind of created our own little uh, running group called Triangle West, which is a cool, really fun kind of group. Everybody just is in a WhatsApp group and we just kind of chat about, you know, what run are you doing today? And if people can sync up, they do. And it's really fun. We've got a, a lot of different options around here. Oh, that's cool. I was just looking at Runology. I see them on Instagram. Yeah. Um, from time to time, it seems that I keep forgetting that they're a store. It just kind of right. looks like a cool running brand. Um, right. I saw the owner as a cabin in, in Boone. Do you ever go up that or ever head out west and run in Boone or Blowing Rock? I, I spent a few years there. Um, oh, yeah. It's a cool yeah. place to run. 
Yeah. So, um, my, I, two of my, so I used to be on a team here locally, uh, that I quit because of some, there, there's a lot tied up in that, but, um, two of the girls that were on the team with me originally. So when we founded the group, um, they moved back out to Boone. So one of them, Tristan Van Ord is on the Zap oh, team yeah. there. So she, sure. and she's running really well. It's been really exciting to see her take off. And then, um, Sammy George, who also ran at NC state and also grew up locally here in the triangle area. She's out there now running with mountain South elite and she's been doing just amazing. She kind of has taken off and, um, qualified for like the 5k the trials. And, um, so I've gone to visit her, you know, once now, but when I, uh, the, I'm on the volley, Wazel volley team. And when, um, we used to do some camps at zap, uh, back in the day, we used to do some oh, uh, yeah. team camps there. Yeah. And, and so we would go and we'd get to run and explore around that area and yeah, it's, it's awesome. I've, and I think that Zap's not doing the camps anymore. I don't think, but um, I think they are. They just, okay. um, it's just changed they, a little bit. They sold the complex. They sold okay, yeah. the, That's the what whole it is. property, yeah. but I think they are doing them in town. That's um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, I can't believe they sold it. Um, I know. I know. I haven't been back there in a while, but Moses Cone, I'll never forget yeah. some yeah. of the runs there. Such a great, great place. Tough yeah. place to run. Yeah, um, I, yeah, it's it's pretty fun. So I I, I try want to go out there more to go see both of them, both Sammy and Tristan, and get a little bit of training with them. But um, when I can, I will probably. When did you graduate from NC State? In 2013. 2013, and then so shortly after, you had a successful time there, and then you you qualified for the trials a few years later, right? Yep. Yeah. So. I, my first year, well, so I, when I graduated in 2013, I, um, did not do well in my last races, my regional meet, um, you know, I had gone to nationals the two years prior. And then, um, my, my my last year, I guess it was my red shirt, you know, year, uh, I was ex- hoping to go in the five and the 10. And then I just, you know, I think I just got a lot of the stress of this being my final races. Maybe it got to me. I'm not sure but I did not do well at regionals and didn't qualify for nationals. So I was kind of really feeling super let down when I first graduated and I was not super confident in myself at that point. And so I, you know, I never, I didn't know like, will I be able to continue to train? Like, what's the point? And so I kind of just like my coach in the state said, you know, you can still train with the team as a volunteer assistant coach. And, um, she said she would keep coaching me. So I was like, all right, we'll just, we'll see how this goes. So I, I had actually started working in engineering um, then, and so I was, I was working full time there and would go and train with the team when I could. And so that first year out of college was not the best. I, I kind of was just, you know, doing whatever, but finally, you know, in 2014, I joined the volley. I was still getting coached by Lori at NC state and still training with the team. But I think having that team atmosphere again, made such a big difference for me that, um, I, you know, I just started running better. So, and yeah, in 2014, I, I qualified for the trials at the Indianapolis Monumental Half Marathon. So the trials was actually okay. my first was the trials was my first attempt at a marathon. And I say <laughs> that because I ended up dropping out from heat exhaustion. But um yeah, that was and in actually in 2015 I bettered my my half time to 112 uh which was uh, you know not something I expected, but it was pretty exciting to have that, you know, getting what, ready. What had you run in for 10k up, up to that point? My 10 K PR in college was 3326. And, okay. you know, I, I didn't actually run very many of them 
in that time frame when I started running all my half PRs. And so I kind of wish I had, it would, it would have been interesting to see what I could have run, um, in with that fitness. But, um, I, I ran that my half PR and then shortly after that ran the 12 K championships, U S championships, which at the time was, uh, you had to qualify for it, which you had to be top 15 at a U.S. championship in order to get in. I don't think they have that race anymore for some reason. It used to be out in Alexandria, Virginia, and it was an out and back 12K. Um, but I, I almost think that I I might have gone through the 10K close to my PR, which is why I was like, man, you know, that I'm in a road race. I wish I would have, you know, had a 10K on the schedule at some point in there. But I had already kind of been training for a long time, so it would been hard to find there's not so the, a lot of fall races. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the 3326, that's a 64 one V dot. Sorry, I'm being a nerd here. I'm on a, a calculator. <laughs> uh, I have to, this is on brand of one, one thirteen forty five equivalent for the, mm-hmm. for the half. So much, you know, the one twelve stronger performance. Is that just you getting better or you're just stronger? You think as the distance um, gets longer. You know what that, I don't know. That's it. It's, it's very weird when I look think back about this time too, because I think like part of the problem I think in college was I was so, I mean, this kind of continued, I feel like a little bit for me coming out of college, but I was doing a little bit better with it, but I under fueled for a long time in college. And I, I wonder now when I look back, like how much of a, like, what could I have done, you know, with a little, if I had been taking care of that better. And so I was doing, I think a good bit better post collegiately with that. And I don't know, it's interesting. And maybe it's like there was less pressure when I was race when I ran the 112. I have, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. But I, I do know that like nutritionally, I was doing much better on that front when I ran the 112. Um, there was, I mean, I still had some, you know, some of those issues lingering and, and definitely ran into that, you know, after I ran that 112. But um, yeah, you know, I, I it's hard to say exactly <laughs> what what it, the difference was. But I was, you know, I think though I was still training with the team at NC State, so it, we weren't changing the training a ton. I was still just kind of doing what they were doing, and for whatever reason, it was it was really clicking and things were going well. But um, right, it sounds well. It yeah. sounds like pressure. You're not on the team. You're not maybe maybe you're not racing as much. You don't have three seasons. You're right. Potentially, like you said, um, nutrition was not ideal for you to to perform you know, to your fullest. Um, mm-hmm. but you, so in that, in those regards, it, you think that's maybe why you progressed, not necessarily I'm a better half marathoner than a 10 K runner. You were just in a better, you know, position for you to mm-hmm. thrive a little bit better. Yeah, I think so. I think I was just, I had, um, I had used also had just started working with inside tracker the earlier that year. Uh, mm, and okay which I think was super interesting because, you know, seeing some of that data was really helpful. And I was working with the nutritionist at the time who was helping me to kind of uh, make sure that our, my iron levels were in the right place and making sure all these different things were optimal. And, I, you know, I do think that maybe not racing as much was a benefit to me, uh, you know, having a, a smaller schedule where I was not having to like stress the body as much because uh, I think was was beneficial to me because I could get more quality work in. And some people racing a lot helps them get fit. And I think though, for the half marathon, that can be, and even the 10 K I didn't race it as much in college, but like, yeah, I don't, it's, I, I feel like, yeah, I think I had less pressure. I was thinking about things less. And even in that race, when I ran the 112, you know, I, I was doing the training 
I thought I was in shape for like low, low 113. But you know, when I got into the race, I, I remember like not thinking at all. I was just, I, there was a guy that was running the marathon and he asked me what my goal was. And I was kind of like, I, my first mile didn't feel great. So I was like, eh, you know, you know, low 113. And he was like, okay, cool. I'm running, I'm going for like sub 230. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay. <laughs> so we ran together for pretty much until I like lost five, you know, and I, there was times when I was like, am I going to be able to keep this pace? I didn't even know what pace I was going. I didn't look at my watch once after the first mile. And I just kind of locked in with this group of guys and um, I hung on and I, I remember telling the guy like the last five K is the hardest for me. So he stuck with me until the last mile. And then he was like, I'm going to, I'm going to pull it back a little bit. You know, he still had another half marathon to go. <laughs> um, so I was actually very surprised when I, I, I don't like to look at my watch, especially in the last five K. So I was actually really surprised as I was finishing. I was, I had, we had passed the girl who was in third, I think around 10 miles or something like that. And I, um, kept in my head telling myself that she was going to catch me if I slowed down. So I just kept going as fast as I could. And, and then when I saw the clock, I was just in shock a bit <laughs> to see wow. it. Yeah, I was, I was pretty surprised. Um, the coolest part about that story though, is that the guy I was running with, when I realized how fast I ran, I was like, Oh no, I probably ruined his race. <laughs> and, uh- <laughs> right. And, but he ended up running, I think a one twenty six, which was pretty cool because that's a good four minutes faster than he was intending uh, 226 you mean or yeah 226 sorry wow <laughs> yeah that's a good he one. ran a good race as well so it was pretty what fun. were you running how many miles at that point you think um i think i was probably i think i was up to 90 somewhere around 90 miles a week um 80 okay. to 90 so and um, you're and you're handling that well you said you were working mm-hmm. full time right out of school right yeah. Yep. So I had changed actual, I was at a different place. So I was working in the private engineering firm at this point, but still working full time. So a lot of my training, I was getting up at 5am and running or getting up at 430 or whatever. Uh, I would still, when I was training with the team in the fall, I would, I had a deal worked out with my boss so that I wouldn't go in until 10, which I think was great because I could do the workout with the, with the group, uh, which I think did help a lot was having people to push me. Uh, and so that, that was good. Or even people to push or, or yeah. to, like help. I think in a lot of ways being running with the team kind of helped me to get a better sense of, of what I was doing. Cause when I was on the team and running, I was always so focused on trying to run faster, 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 faster. Um, but with them, I had to be a little bit more controlled and I also wanted to like, make sure I was doing right for them. And, um, if I, if I was going to go a little bit faster, I would tell them ahead of time, okay, I'm pushing to this. And so they could decide if they want to go or not, but um, yeah, I don't know. It was, uh, it was, it was a lot to be training in that way. And I remember getting pretty exhausted by it throughout that. And and so, yeah, but, but I, but I, I'm curious about it because, the, um, you know, you come out of school and, and maybe start running better. It's interesting, right? Cause obviously you're, you're still doing schoolwork. So, um, I'm thinking of our new, you know, female, U.S. marathon record holder right. who has a job and, and a family and she's, you know, just ran 219 or whatever. But it's yeah. interesting to see that maybe having a full time job doesn't necessarily have to be obviously depending on what the job is, how stressful it is, how demanding. Right. Um, but maybe there's less pressure, like you said, and you're you've got structure, a lot of structure. Mm-hmm. You're taking care of yourself. It doesn't mean you can't still you know 
perform at your best. It's right. interesting. Yeah. I mean, it was a desk job. So I was, you know, getting plenty of the recovery <laughs> after yeah. those workouts and, and all that hard training. So it was, I think it was definitely beneficial. It was also really cool to come back into work after I qualified and be like, and tell everybody we <laughs> are real excited about it. And, um, right. you know, so it was actually a good atmosphere. I had a good group that I worked with. So, um, but yeah, it was, it, it did, it was, I think it was good and distracting me a good bit. Um, I think though there was also a part of me that was like, I wonder what I could do if I just had a little bit more optimal training environment. Cause I, there, I don't, I wouldn't say I had optimal sleep. And that's one thing that I think about now is that like, mm. you know, when you're younger, I, when I was younger, I could, you could definitely get away with that a little bit better. But now I'm like, would I have been able to continue to do that as I get older? Cause I can definitely feel now when I'm not, if I don't get enough sleep, like I'm going to feel it the next day. Whereas, you know, like when I was younger, that, that didn't have as much of an effect, I feel like. And so, um, so yeah, yeah, I, there, I feel like there's some trade-offs with it, but yeah, I think, um, still having, still having a good amount of work that I do here, even though I'm working from home and have less structure. Um, I'm excited to see, like, I, it will be interesting to find out, like, will I, if I reach back up into that 112, um, you know, how that, how that comes together and will the, will, do, did I actually need that extra, you know, sleep <laughs> and all that? <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> yeah. So I want to talk, you were very upfront and public about your goals. Um, this year, I think you can correct me if I'm wrong. You had mentioned um, 112 for the half again, getting back there, and then also 237 mm -hmm. um, for the marathon. And so I want to talk about that and like how training's going and how you're, um, you know, shooting for those goals. Um, but I also want to touch on some of the the brands products that you do yeah. represent. Obviously, full disclosure. I think you're you work with you can. Um, an inside tracker you mentioned. So I just want to mm -hmm. touch on them maybe first, because I'm interested to see if it, you feel like it's been helpful and how I know I noted something about tracking cortisol mm -hmm. and maybe how that's helped. And so I was curious about maybe mm -hmm. hearing more about that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I've been using UCAN since 2015, I think. Yeah. So actually I did change over to, so I, when I ran the 113, I was not feeling with UCAN at the time, but I was having some weird issues with my blood sugar kind of like randomly dropping. And uh, when I started using UCAN, that actually helped a good bit to like stabilize a lot of that. And so that was nice to have. Um, but that I started using a lot more, I started using that a lot more in 2015 going into, so, um, that was one change I made nutritionally before I ran the yeah. 112. So I think that maybe had something to do with it. Um, I, you know, I used their super starch product, which is their, like their one, their like big thing that they had. And, you know, in 2015, they were still relatively, you know, new in the market for endurance athletes. I think, um, they were still kind of on the smaller side, I would say, uh, but they had Meb and he was on board, which was cool. And, um, but yeah, so I started working with them and I think that was part of the performance benefits that helped me kind of, you know, reach another level as well. And then also, you know, right alongside of that was the starting to use inside tracker to make sure, you know, iron levels, things like that, because, um, you know, they look at everything from a, and the lens of an athlete, as opposed to when you go into your doctor, they're looking for, you know, if your levels are outside of the normal range, then you're probably feeling it. You're probably feeling pretty sick on just an everyday basis. You know, like they're looking for like critically ill 
people when they are testing. And so sometimes those, those bounds are pretty large, but when you're training and really pushing your body to the limit, you're going to feel, you know, a ferritin level that's in the, you know, in the thirties, you may feel it, you know, being a little you may more fatigued than if you're just walking around with the ferritin level in the twenties or thirties, you know? So it's like, some of these things can be more affected by when we're pushing our body more, um, we can feel that more. And so having a little bit more data around like what's optimal for me was really helpful. Uh, so I started being able to see that. And then the cortisol, yeah, that was a big one because I actually, I was working with them, um, you know, I've actually worked with them over the last several years. And so, um, going into the Olympic trials, we actually did a test about a month out and, I had definitely been overtraining, I found out. Um, and hmm. the the crazy part about that was we could definitely see it within the numbers. My cortisol was super high. I had some high liver enzymes, which just means that I'm having so much muscle breakdown that it's becoming, it's getting into the bloodstream. Um, so there was a lot of things. There's inflammation markers that were fairly high. And so when we looked through it, it was kind of weird. I don't think they wanted to scare me with it, but I can doubt, definitely tell when I look back at it, that there was warning signs for it. And so um, so yeah, there, that was, that was helpful. And it's been helpful to follow that over the years because, um, especially in this last year, cause I ended up taking, I had to take three months off because I was having an autoimmune issue and, mm. um, and I tested right before I started that. And then right after I finished those three months off to see how is th- how have things changed? And, you know, I can definitely tell that, I mean, the cortisol had come down. A lot of those markers had come down that were kind of like stubbornly high, for a few years now. And so, uh, it was, it's been interesting to be able to see that shift and actually be able to see like what's actually going on within my body, as opposed to just like going off of how you feel. Cause sometimes, um, you can get in your head about how you feel. I think, uh, especially when, you know, when it's iron and stuff like that too, like you're, you're feel, you'll feel tired, but you'll start blaming yourself before you recognize like, wait, could this be, you know, you know, some type of nutritional deficiency of some sort. So, um, the other thing that kind of goes along with that for me is that I have celiac disease. So it, yeah, I was going to say other yeah. food allergy or sensitivities. Um, yeah. it just all, this all seems like it, it kind of comes back to that. Um, yep. especially the blood sugar, low blood sugar and cortisol. And do you, do you find that you have to run, you know, you're going to perform better at certain parts of the day. Um, mm-hmm. you, you're being very careful about what you're eating before you go out, things like that. Yeah. And I had, you know, I had a period of time where my, I think because of the overtraining and the underfueling and stuff like that, that I was, mm-hmm. um, it caused, it can cause you to have a lot of stomach difficulties. And so I was definitely dealing with that for the last several years and trying to get that figured out is a nightmare. It's just not worth going through. Um, and so, I mean, I found out I had celiac disease in 2009 in college, which was actually kind of what started a lot of the underfueling because I was, and I was constantly scared of like, accidentally eating gluten or feeling like yeah. I did. So I was really, really obsessively kind of controlling my diet to kind of, you know, manipulate that and make sure I didn't get to that point again because I felt so awful. Um, but that's where a lot of that started. And then, and then now, yeah, the inside tracker has helped to kind of give me a better scope on, you know, how do I feel and, and also how well am I absorbing things? Cause that can be one of the right. side effects of celiac disease that it can actually impact your absorption of stuff. And so, um, you know, even after you stopped eating gluten, if your gut's not been, you know, fixed or you're not doing things to take care of it, then it can still have, you know, absorption problems. So that was one thing I actually noticed 
over the last several years was that my absorption was seemingly getting worse as time yeah. went on. And, and yeah, so when I finally found out this last year about the autoimmune issues that I was having, I was also having some gut dysbiosis of, you know, bacterial overgrowth stuff, which was really starting to impact my digestion of food. And so cleaning all these things up has been, I think like I've been actually feeling like myself again. So but, you that's know, back great. When I, yeah. And back when I ran 112, you know, I was just doing the training and I wasn't having to think about all these other factors so per se, and just running and being able to push myself. And I had reached a point in the last several years where, you know, pushing myself, you know, it was so easy for me to like go over the edge or, um, I would push myself and it would just, I just wouldn't get anywhere with it. And it was hard to see progress and it was frustrating and it was hard to kind of, you know, get anywhere. And so it was, it was always kind of, I almost had gotten into this expectation of it's not going to go well. Um, and so it was, it was running because was becoming not fun at that right. point. So yeah. yeah. But it sounds like, I mean, the other problem with this, you have inside tracker, it sounds like that's been helpful mm -hmm. in terms of monitoring this and, and making progress, but also getting help. Like I'm mm -hmm. sure working with your general, you know, practitioners, it's, mm -hmm. I don't, the response, I've had some similar issues in the past and it's, it's always hard to find people who are even willing to consider mm -hmm. some of the stuff and the effects, but it's, it sounds like you're getting some mm -hmm. good guidance or you've had some help kind of pinpointing this and yeah. um, figuring it out. Cause it's a complex problem. Like we went through a lot of different issues, but it really kind of is rooted yep. in one problem when it comes, like once your digestion system's off, like mm -hmm. then it's, all sorts of problems. And then right. over time, if you don't fix it, it turns into really serious problems. And right. the cool thing with it, as runners, like if we're so in touch and in tune with our body, like, yeah. you know, when something like, I don't feel normal, I can't even, yeah. you know, run 30 minutes without feeling terrible, you know? Right. So yeah. something's really off. It's amazing how, yeah. how quick that can be if something's yeah. off. Right. And I, that, I think the biggest thing too that I've, I've, you know, I could, you can see the physical stress when it becomes too much, the effects. And I think the other thing that was cool that I was starting to realize on Inside Tracker is like some of the mental emotional stuff will have, can actually affect yourself in the same, very similar way, right? So like, it's not just the physical stress. So if you are stressed at work or in life or whatever, yeah. it'll manifest a similar way. So that was, I think, towards the end of, you know, in 2020 was kind of the, the peak of it where very similar to what you were saying, like I, I couldn't even go for four mile runs without, you know, needing a nap afterwards. Like that was the level we had reached. And so I always think mm. about like, I had to take three months off at the end of 2020, but I also, you know, most of 2020 was also like not quality. So it was like, I keep thinking like only took three months off, but you know, I got a stress fracture in the middle of 2020 in April and at the end of April, and then took some time off. I was like, I'm not going to cross train. I'm just going to let my body rest a little bit because, you know, I was already having issues before the stress fracture with fatigue and muscle pain and all this random stuff. And then coming back from that, you know, I, we started trying to build mileage back up and I was struggling with runs over, started with runs over six and then it, you know, runs over four. And then it was just like, I couldn't, if I did a hard workout at all, I had to take a nap. Um, so things just kept getting worse and worse. And a lot of that was becoming more, was more of the mental, emotional stuff that was going on, but the stressors were just, you know, piling on top. And so 
Um, you know, I took three months off, but I also had a period of, I don't you know, three or four months where it was like, I couldn't even run more than 30 miles mm. a week, which is a decent amount. If, like if you just look at it from that spec, but I, you know, I was running, you know, 80, 90 miles a week at my peak. So that was a huge shift that I was unable to even accomplish. And so that was when I was finally got, like, I got to the point where I was like, something's wrong. And I was having I was trying to find somebody that could help or figure out because no one was able to figure out what was going on. And I ended up going to a functional MD. So it was, she's, okay. she, she is a doctor, but she works from more of a functional range. And, and that was how we ended up, you know, solving the problem. And I think it can be difficult when she's, she's got like a lot of credentials and, and being able to look at autoimmune stuff. And so that was how we figured out that that was kind of causing it. And because I have celiac disease, I'm more predisposed to yeah. autoimmune illness. And so that was kind of part of it. And so, yeah, it was, it was a lot on top of COVID, you know, the stress is just, just so high. Yeah. Oh man, that is rough. Um, yeah. but I, I just saw you did, uh, I was on your Instagram. Um, mm -hmm. so I saw a 16 mile long run eight at marathon pace. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, have you turned a corner? Is it just a constant Mm -hmm. you know, struggle, you know, balancing and mm -hmm. managing this? Or do you feel like you're, you're turning a corner finally, like you, you understand the problem, you're addressing it. And it's, it's something that you can manage. Is, is that where you are now? Yeah, yeah. So I feel like I, I do feel like I'm turning a corner. It's been, um, you know what, I started back to doing workouts again in March of last year. And my, we, we had to kind of really be careful with the ramping back up of everything because, um, you know, my body needed to be completely cleared of the, um, just kind of the, the autoimmune system, because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's always going to start perceiving things as, you know, being something we don't want if it's kind yeah. of always stressed. And so I had to give that some space and some time to kind of make sure that my body was not going to, you know, revert back to that. So um, we took it really slow. We started out just running, you know, the first month or so was just more of like 30 miles a week, 40 miles a week. And, and, you know, over the course of the year, we went up to about, you know, 40 something over the summer, 50 kind of reaching into there. And then through the fall, we bumped it up a little bit more into the sixties. And then, um, coming out of my, I ended up racing the, um, Richmond AK, and that was kind of like the cap to the end of this year, uh, for, or, or 2021, I actually took like a little bit of downtime coming out of that, but, um, that race kind of felt like the, like the, the turning point in a lot of ways. And, you know, it wasn't like my fastest time, but, um, you know, looking at the season as a whole, I, the first workout I did back in, or not, maybe not the first workout, but one of the workouts I did early on that sticks out to me when I think about all this was like, it was a 30 second, it was a ladder of like 30 seconds, 40, 50, 60 and back down. And I remember starting it a little too quick. And I ran like, you know, 30 seconds at like 530 something pace. And it felt so hard. I was like, I've run a half marathon at this pace. Like, but I had to kind of separate myself from like what I'd done in the past and just be like, here's a marker for where we're starting. And then, so over the course of the year, I was constantly like, okay, look, now I'm running this at this pace and this at this pace. And that 8K was actually, <laughs> I think I averaged about the pace that I ran for that 30 seconds. So that was actually, I feel like a really cool way to kind of, you know, go through this and then get to that last race of that of last year and see that, that change 
in, in the performance and see that change. And so it's been fun because you're, I like that constant, like I can see myself getting fitter and each, each week it's just, just like, okay, what can I reach today? And so in some ways I have to be a little bit mindful that I enjoy pushing myself, but I have to be a little bit mindful of not overdoing that. But you know, when you get into a space where you're like constantly getting a little faster and a little faster, it's hard to know what that ceiling is. And so I, I, that's been kind of, you know, what I've been battling with a little bit, but yeah, workouts yeah. have been continuing to get better and that's been really fun. And, and yeah, that workout was, it was like warm, I think. And I, I remember starting and I was like, there's no way I'm going to finish this because the first mile felt hard. Um, but it's definitely been coming together and I'm excited because I've got a race coming up at the end of February and, um, half marathon in Wilmington, North Carolina. And so that's kind of what's on the horizon. And I'm kind of excited to see what I do there. I don't think I'm in PR shape yet, but, um, it's, it's kind of like being curious about where, where, where are we going? Where, what can I do there and what's next and all that fun stuff. So, but it sounds like, you know, you've made a lot of comments about focusing more on the the process and, and having fun again. And, and has that been true or are you, are you trying to get there? Um, and not so focused on what you maybe you've done in the past and just kind of letting it come back. Is that always a challenge for you as an athlete? Yeah, I feel like it's always something like that I, that I think about of like, okay, I really want to get there, but, um, in the past I've been, you know, too impatient with it. And now it's been, it's, it's been fine because I've just been kind of trying to set milestones of, of, you know, the first race I did in 2021, it was a 5k and the goal was just to break 19 and my PR is a 16.03. So like that was, that's a big jump at, or difference in goals, you know? Um, but I had to be like, this is, uh, I think this is a reasonable goal that I can accomplish. And, you know, if I can accomplish it, then I'll be excited because this is where I am now. And I'm, I'm, you know, getting, you know, taking these steps forward from where I was and where I started and how I'd been feeling in the past. And, I think honestly, the the process, it's been true that I, that's been the, that's been a big driver of this whole season is that, you know, I, for so many years now for last, I I would say probably four or five years was, um, I had overtrained in 2017 again in the marathon and my body after that just was not coming back from it as well as it did after the trials. And so, um, I was just, I was struggling to see performance gains. I was struggling to see gains in any way. I was like, always, there's always something off. Something didn't feel good. Uh, races, I just had an expectation it was going to go bad. It was just like, just not a good, fun environment to train in because you're just always worried about yeah. something. And now it's been more like, it's been more exciting to kind of see like, where am I, what have I reached? What can I reach now? And um, like, where are we in the process of getting closer and closer to these big high level goals that I've got for myself? And um, you know, when do I want to go for a marathon? That's kind of like when I've, what I've been kind of trying to decide, like, do I do one in the spring or do I do one in the fall? And, um, just kind of taking my time with making those kinds of calls and also trying not to put myself in high stress positions with races and stuff like that. Like, you know, I don't need to put, go do the U S championships of everything right now. Cause you know, really, I just want to be able to focus on my race and where, where I am and where I'm starting from instead of, being worried about other people and what they're doing. And so, yeah, I think that's gotta be hard. I mean, 
you're also a coach, right? And you have a lot of experience coaching. I was curious, you're, you're working with Becky Spellman on, yep. on VDOT. Is it hard for you? I mean, I'm sure you have. I've worked with athletes who many of them have an idea like what they should be doing. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're paying you <laughs> to tell them what to do, but yeah. they're kind of like, you know, shouldn't I be doing this? Or right. I wanted to do that. And so is it hard for you to just kind of let go mm-hmm. and just hand the keys over and I'm just going to, whatever's there is there. I'm going to follow it. Or is that a struggle? Kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm not getting, you know what I mean? Just to right. kind of. Yeah. No, I mean, I think like, I think it's been best this, I think it's been best this year than it's been in the past. Cause I think there was times where, I mean, there was times when I, like I was working with some other coaches before and it just didn't seem like things were clicking in ways. And I was, I had a lot of that, but Becky's always been, I think it's, that's part of it though, is being able to kind of have that trust in what you're doing and an understanding of why you're doing it. And so Becky and I've had those, that type of conversation, um, about, you know, the, the training and what works. And so we have that understanding, which I think is helpful. And she's also somebody who's very good at, like, I, I always think about when I work with my athletes is that we're kind of like a team and it needs to work well from both sides. Like if, if you don't believe in what you're doing, then you're going to be apprehensive to what you're, you're, it's just, that's when I see a lot of people (laughs) overdoing it is when they, they don't believe in what we're doing. And so it's kind of like, we have a back and forth a little bit. And if I really don't agree with something that they want to do, like I will explain why I don't agree with that. And then that kind of stuff. And, but I think having that dialogue is important to be able to, to know and have mutual understanding and respect for where we're going and how we're getting there. And, you know, I'm not perfect. So I'd rather hear from some, one of my athletes, you know, this is something that's worked for me in the past. Can we try it? And so like, that's something that I, I do want to be able to kind of have that. And, and I think, um, every runner is different. So it's easy for a coach to get, especially when you're coaching a lot of athletes to get pigeonholed in one style. But I, I really do try to work with each athlete individually so that we're really doing what works best for them. And, and so I think like with Becky, it's been great. It's been nice actually, I think, especially in this last year to just have just the faith and the trust and not worry about things so much. Um, so I've just been kind of following along what she's doing. The problem is that I always want to go faster. And so I, I actually <laughs> asked her today because my workout today, I was like, I expect it to feel a little bit easier, but then we're, we're bumping the mileage up. This is supposed to be an 80 mile week. So I'm like, is it, can you accumulate fatigue or, and so she's actually been great for, um, like easing those anxieties in a lot of ways because I tend to overthink things. And so she's good for being able to kind of like give me a different perspective or kind of not letting me go down a rabbit hole of some sort. Cause I think that's the biggest benefit for me for having a coach is that I need somebody to check me and (laughs) I need somebody to like, just say the things that I need to hear. Cause so I don't overthink it or go down this, these paths of like, Oh, I'm, you know, ruining things or blah, blah, blah. So, so yeah, she, that's that's a good balance. So you mean, going faster than what's prescribed or what the coach wanted you to do you find that a lot of your athletes not to pick on them um Mm -hmm. if they're listening but do you find that that's just still very common is there something you do to sort of reinforce do you are you tough with them about um hey listen you remember we talked about running Mm -hmm. too fast on easy days but 
mm-hmm. it continues to happen every week, you know, right. um, just curious what your experience is, uh, you know, and how you handle that with your athletes in terms of yeah. communication. Yes. Yeah. So that's one thing that I cover in pretty much all of my consults and stuff is that we really want to make sure those easy days are easy. I think that's the most common thing is that runners, um, run those too fast. And then their, their difference between their easy pace and their marathon pace, for instance, is like way too close. And mm. so I'll, that's sometimes what I run into. And then in workout senses, it's like, I've had, I do have some athletes, which, you know, we're, they're, they're almost a little green. And so with their races, if they've never had structure, a lot of times, like they'll have races that are kind of all over the board in terms of paces. And so those I think are fun because we're kind of exploring what's the potential there. And so, um, sometimes it's a little trial and error to like, see like what paces should we be prescribing. And then I've moved a couple of them up on VDOT because of that, like their workouts are and their, and their efforts. And I, I really try to dial in on effort for workouts and stuff like that. So I'll put notes on every workout I give to a client of like, Cause you know, with cumulative fatigue and with other things going on in life, it's much better to nail the effort than it is to nail the pace. And so I always try to say like, start this around marathon effort. And if marathon, if like, don't worry about marathon pace, because you know, it doesn't have to be marathon pace. And if it doesn't, if marathon pace doesn't feel easy today, that's mm. okay. Cause when all this comes together, we're going to be okay when we get to the marathon. So I, I really try to like, and I also tell them, start slower, get faster, as opposed to the opposite, uh, which a lot of runners also have difficulty with, especially when they see like a, a range of paces, they'll always go for the front end, like the fast <laughs> end of that range. Yeah, yeah. So I will sure. actually sometimes say, let's start on the slow end and see if we can get faster. And that way, if we don't feel good that day, we maintain the end of the higher end of the range. And that's okay. Cause you know, we're all going to have off days. So that's part of what I also try to make sure of is that like they, they don't feel like they have to go the, the fast as they can or, or whatever, or that they're able to kind of also maneuver some of these situations to really understand um, what they should feel like as they, when they finish a workout. So I, that's kind of my, my goal there. Have you leveraged the new feature, the, the custom paces where you can create your own pace? Is there, well, first, have you leveraged it yet? And if so, um, just curious how you mm-hmm. leverage it. Like, what is that? that yeah. piece that you um, utilize for your athletes and why? Yeah. So I have kind of put in some, um, mostly I did, I did a steady one. So I did like steady state kind of like a, um, moderate pace run. So I like mm-hmm. to use those to kind of sometimes pre fatigue the legs before, you know, a long run workout, especially in marathon training or like longer distance training. I think that can be beneficial. Um, the other thing that I will use is I've done some, I've put in like with their 5k half and 10k paces. Just to kind Mm -hmm. of, I sometimes I think that can be helpful to see, um, like what that pace is and then kind of alongside of stuff. So sometimes I'll adjust it a little bit if I'm like, well, maybe I want this to be more of the effort than the actual pace. Um, but then it kind of gives them that, that like concept of like, okay, the efforts 10 K and kind of thinking along those lines, because I really want them to be able to get into a position where they know what those paces are supposed to feel like so that they're not starting too slow or too fast or whatever, because in a race, we don't ever want to start too fast because that's going to cause so many different problems. And so with, with, especially with the, you know, the admin of, of, uh, you know, GPS watches, so many people are so focused on looking at that GPS instead of feeling it out and feeling out those paces. And so sometimes I think, you know, having that feature where I can say like half marathon pace or 10 K pace or 5 K pace, 
um, it gives them a kind of an idea of, of kind of correlating what they're feeling like when they're running those paces. Um, so I think that can be really advantageous to them. So that's great. That's mm-hmm. great. And I'll just close this, this part of the talk with, and I love what Jack Daniels always says, like when your athlete or his athletes want to, like they're training too hard in practice or they're like, I need to be, you know, run it. Mm-hmm. If I'm training at this pace, how am I going to reach my goal? You know, and he's mm-hmm. always like, his response is, well, if you want to train harder, prove it to me in a race. Right. <laughs> and that's it. You know, it's like, right. oh, okay. Right. Yeah. A lot of times that could be counterintuitive because it's like, well, if I want to get here, you know, I need to start training like that. Right. And, mm-hmm. and his thing is like, well, no, based on the, the research, like you're just going to get hurt. Like we have to get yeah. there in steps. And um, as you yeah. prove that you're fitter, you know, then you can, we'll ramp up the training a little bit more. And, and, and I get why that's, that's might be counterintuitive to some people. So that's why it's important to, for the coach to kind of communicate um, I want to finish just with the athletes for yoga. Um, I'm just curious. It seems like it is helpful, but uh, mobility and, and yoga, obviously athletes, coaches, very familiar with all this, but a lot of times the question is like, do you actually do it? Mm-hmm. And so this was intriguing just in, in the sense that maybe it helps you know, encourage or, um, actually, you know, get someone to do it, but also does it seem a little bit more functional? Like why would someone on VDOT check this out? I'm just curious. Yeah. Yeah. So the biggest thing for me is that, you know, I used to go to like a yoga class, like once a week on like my rest day and that was all fine and everything, but I mean, it didn't have that much benefit to me as for running. I wouldn't say like, I didn't notice any differences, but um, it's also more of like an activity. It's like a workout. It was always more of a workout than it was like a mm. recovery based activity. And so the thing that I really value about athletes for yoga is that like I can do, and they've got a lot of videos that are like five and 10 minutes. So it's not like thinking about this hour long thing I have to go fit in when I've already got all this other stuff going on. Or so like a lot of people will just skip a lot of the, uh, a lot of the little things I like to call it, like the stretching and the mobility and the like making sure like easing some of that tightness because they run out of time and they think, Oh, the running's the most important thing. So if I get that in then we're fine. But I think that, you know, having athletes for yoga where it's like an easy way to kind of fit in some of that mobility work and it's guided. So you're just kind of listening to someone and following and doing it. It's just been really beneficial for me and my own training. Um, they've, they also are very pro, like really listening to your body and, um, they have this really great book, which was actually what I, I, that's how I really started doing it more was I bought their book that's called work in and it's talking more about recovering for real. So as opposed to just, you know, sitting on your couch, watching Netflix, you know, it's, it's kind of a little bit more uh, intuitive on like, well, how do you get your brain to really recover? And how do you get, uh, mm. all these other like parasympathetic yeah. nervous system to recover? Um, cause it's easy to recover our bodies cause we can just kind of, you know, chill and not run or walk around or do whatever, but, you know, being able to get a little bit more on that side through, uh, meditation and things like that can be beneficial. Um, they also have some great like visualization type stuff in there, which I try to do before races and stuff as well. 
Um, and the biggest things that I like are like, I have, I have tight hips. So doing like the five minute hip reset before I run, or they've got warm ups and stuff for your run. So it's just an easy way to not have to think about these things. And they come in packages of like five and 10 minutes. So it's, it's really is yoga that's designed for athletes, endurance athletes that are, you know, moving their bodies in a way that they don't necessarily want to do yoga for a workout before they run or yoga, you know, they sometimes want to, you want to be able to get the benefits of yoga, the stretching and the, the relaxation without it being so strenuous or whatever. Um, and, and they also have a lot of functional movement workouts. They've got some stuff in there you can do that's going to help you improve your, your body to move in the way that you're moving it. So if you're, if you're running, we want to strengthen it and make it feel better for the function. And so it has some stuff in there where, you're doing yoga that's really for the function instead of just doing a pose to do a pose. Like it's kind of more, um, you know, this is how you're going to move your body. So why don't we, why don't we do some things where we're mimicking that, which I think can be really cool. So that's awesome. I see you can Chromecast it to the, to your mm-hmm. TV. Um, yep. is it subscription based? Yeah. So it's $10 a month. I think they have, they have it so that you can test it out for a month for free. So I think that's a good window to see, like, am I going to use this and is it effective and do I like it? And yeah. so it's, it's, that's really great from that front. And I, I've really enjoyed having it as, as kind this of, this is part of your routine now. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Definitely. Hey, yeah. well, unfortunately we have to end here. Um, two I know you said we're, we're all cheering you on, but not to be too corny that, um, you know, more excited that. You seem to have turned the corner on your health and figured some things out and you're having fun again. You talked about enjoying the process. So Mm -hmm. I hope that you can continue to focus on that. And um, like I said, we'll we'll be cheering you on, you know, no matter what. Um, But that seems like, you know, the most hopeful and um, positive thing that that I took out of this. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was really great. I really enjoyed it. You know, getting to chat through this and share, you know, what I've experienced, because I think that's the biggest thing that we can do, you know, if if we're doing something like running or a sport that seems so personal, um, you know, using it in a way that we can help, you know, other people through this process or their journey. So, yeah, I really love having conversations like this. So thank you. Thanks, Andy. Take yeah. care. I've been-